Hey, this is Jonathan with LimitlessMindset.com, and this is our Sunday live cast show. We thank everyone for tuning in to have a listen to us. Today, we're going to be reading and discussing what I think is going to be kind of a controversial article, and the article is entitled, People Who Make Bad Health Decisions Fuck Everyone Else regulate them like polluting factories. And I'm joined today by Mrs. Rosent. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. Thank you. We've had a fun day, haven't we? Yes, definitely. We did a really funny video that you guys are going to see real soon. Yes, we did a bit of dancing today. We came up, we found a really funny coronavirus parody song. I need toilet paper, toilet paper, toilet paper. I'm out of toilet paper. It's my corona. I need toilet paper, toilet paper, toilet paper. I'm out of toilet paper. It's my corona. Got to make a grocery run. Well, that sounds fun. Why am I out here risking my life? Corona, where's a Parking space, shit, I touched my face Wait, I think I finally caught my corona Stop it, don't be manic, go inside No organic, oh no, all GMO Jesus Christ, now I panic, I'll die My, 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 my corona And then we did some dancing to it, and I think we looked quite flock. Don't you think? Of course. Yes. So we're probably going to publish that on me. No, 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 not on Medium. We'll be publishing that on my Instagram and then on minds.com. So you can go and check that out for a laugh and maybe share it around a bit. And just to give you a quick update, I am going to actually be venturing back onto YouTube. Hey, Daniel, good to see you listening in again. You know, when Daniel tunes in, it just feels like, it just feels like everything is going to be okay. You know, when there's uh, some consistency in the world with people tuning in, it just feels like everything is going to work out all hunky dory. So I'm going to venture back out onto YouTube and I'm going to start another YouTube channel. I think I'm going to be calling it biohacking immunity because I think the whole world is having a difficult lesson right now on how important immunity is. And I want to do my part, do my educational part in putting out really good content about immunity. And in the past, I was uh, kicked out of YouTube. So I'm going to be venturing out onto YouTube again, just because YouTube is the mainstream platform. YouTube is the second most popular search engine on the internet. And I'm going to try, I'm going to do my damnedest to stay away from really controversial material on YouTube. You can find 
all of my controversial material, well, you can find it here on CastBox, which thus far I really have to applaud CastBox because they have proven themselves to be a free speech platform. That's part of the reason why I actually pay for a CastBox membership because I really appreciate free speech and I think that we should all be willing to pay for it, especially when it's so affordable. So you can expect a YouTube channel where I'm going to be doing content just on biohacking immunity, which is like a really important thing. So I think that channel is going to be worth following. I'm probably going to be doing shorter form content on that YouTube channel. I'm going to be reviewing some different products. Like today, I was just recording a video about some pharmaceuticals. Usually my content is around these herbs and these nutraceutical, these quote unquote natural type biohacks for immunity. But there's also people that are curious about the pharmaceutical options. And there are two that I think are kind of interesting. And so I did some videos about them today. And these two pharmaceuticals are actually accessible. They are not something that's like impossible to get your hands on. So it might be a good thing to have there in your biohacker war chest in this uh, in this microscopic world, which is seemingly getting just a bit more aggressive. There's a lot of microscopic nastiness out there that has dastardly designs on our health. And so I'm going to try to put out all the great information that I can to keep everyone really anti-fragile. Babe, what is our most recent biohacking addition to the household? Oh, it's a really good near-infrared light Mm -hmm. that we got from Canada, from your dear friend Mark Sloan from Endol Disease. That's right. Yes. So we got what's called the Body Light Mini, which is one of these powerful infrared lamps. And I think it was like one of the last packages that managed to get imported into Bulgaria before the uh, borders were closed rather dramatically across the world. And I've been, we've been using that daily and I'm going to be putting out a lot more content about the infrared lights. Okay, which which infrared is best? It kind of depends a bit on the it, it depends a bit on the usage protocol on why you are using it. The one that we're using has four different infrared modes. And in fact, I'm going to pull that up and I can tell you what that is. Okay, great. This product is back in stock, by the way. It has four different modes. It does 620 nanometers, 670 nanometers, 760 nanometers, and 830 nanometers. And actually, I'm still in the midst of properly educating myself about infrared light therapy. So I'm going to be putting out some videos, articles, and podcasts about all of the nuances of it. Okay, what does he say? Just sold out. Expect to come back in four to six days. And what I like about the 
infrared light as a hack is it's not like these supplements and all these supplements are awesome. We love them, but we use them up. And then, you know, a month later or two months later, however long they last you, then you got to get more of them. Whereas an infrared light will last you about 50,000 hours. And we are currently using hours for probably about boy, probably about 30 minutes a day each, right? So we're maybe, so it's going to last us. Yeah, something like that. So it's, so is this, so is it going to last us uh, 50,000 days at that rate is oh, my math? Wow. Yeah, I think my, I, I, so I, I, my, my math is not exactly my strong suit, but I think, yeah, I haven't done my phenylparacetam, which is my go-to nootropic. But yeah, I think if we're both using it for about an hour a day, then it'll last us 50,000 days. So quite a, quite a while. Do you remember, do you remember what is the average length? Oh, no, 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 no. Never mind. Okay. I'm not going to do quite that much math because I'm going to embarrass myself because I am not exactly a human computer like your grandfather was. This, this is what Daniel sent us. Oh, that's what he has. Okay, let me take a... Is that what you have, Daniel? Or is that what, what you're thinking that? about getting? Okay, uh, Bauer Isle Infrared. I'm looking for details about this. What is the... It's an option. That's what he's saying. Okay. I'm not seeing what... Um, I'm not seeing the spectrum that this covers because you want to have it at least in the 620 nanometer range on lamps. So I might need to check this out. Timer from 10 to from one to 15 minutes has a three-year manufacturer guarantee. Um, yeah. I mean, it's probably a good idea. Any, any infrared light is great. We all get overdosed on blue light because our phones, our computers, all of our devices, our televisions, all give us an overdose of blue light, as does most of the lighting that we use everywhere. So it's probably good. I would say check out the reviews. Looks like they have a handful of reviews. You might want to head over to Amazon and take a look at the same product on the American. Okay, no, it has 38 reviews. That's enough. That's probably enough reviews. And it comes with a money back guarantee, I think. So yeah, why not? It's probably worth trying. Frankly, the one that we are using is probably a bit better. I was fortunate to be able to get a really state-of-the-art, really uh, top-of-the-line model, but I'll be publishing some more content on it on it as time goes on because, yeah, red light therapy is awesome because it has a really wide range of beneficial effects on the body because essentially it's feeding the mitochondria everywhere in your body the same sort of infrared light that your body needs from the sun. And for those of us here in the northern uh, in the northern latitudes, we don't get nearly enough sun uh, for many months out of the year, and it ends up causing all sorts of health problems. So, hey, Jurgen, Yes, Jurgen. I wonder if that's our friend, Jurgen, or it. if that's 
might be our friend Jurgen, or if that's some other Jurgen somewhere in the world, thanks for joining. Okay, so let's read Jürgen. this. Jurgen, this is Jurgen. Jurgen, oh, okay, oh my gosh, I made a major pronunciation error. But it is the same name. Mea culpa. Okay, so this 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 guy, he's quite the character. He's a biohacker named Serge Fago, a uh, Russian guy, I believe. I have done some podcasts of his articles in the past because he's got some kind of extremist views, frankly, but some stimulating ideas. And he wrote this article entitled People Who Make Bad Health Choices Fuck everyone else. Regulate them like polluting factories. Negative externalities are regulated. As a society, we have long agreed that free markets tend to produce negative externalities and those should be regulated. And then he has a photo of some really terrible looking factories polluting the environment below that. The most classic negative externality is that of a polluting factory. The factory makes money by producing something while polluting the environment. This privatizes profits while imposing costs on the rest of society, which the profit-generating entity does not pay for. Private choices can cause harm to the health of other people. The COVID-19 crisis demonstrably shows that a private individual can take actions which have negative consequences for other people in society. The simplest example is someone who knows they are sick with the virus and goes to hang out with old, vulnerable people. Most of us will agree that this kind of behavior should be regulated and punished. The key point in this article is that when a private individual takes actions detrimental to their own health, they are also imposing significant costs on the rest of society. Smokers fuck other people, and right now we are all bailing them out. If I smoke my entire life, despite the abundance of data about about the harm that smoking causes, then I am polluting the rest of society in two distinct ways connected with the COVID-19 crisis. Number one, my weaker immune system is less capable of resisting the virus, and thus I transmit the virus more readily to others. And number two, my propensity to require mechanical ventilation increases by maybe greater than 3x. And thus, I am overloading a limited medical care system and potentially killing other people. Note that the above costs are not paid for by the individual who smokes. They are paid for by society at large. These people collect gains, such as the presumed enjoyment from smoking, uh, and then they transfer the costs, the costs and risks to society, and then in a crisis get bailed out at society's expense. Sleeping badly, eating badly, 
not exercising, drinking excessively fucks other people. This, of course, is not limited to smoking. It is also about eating badly, sleeping badly, not exercising, excessive alcohol consumption, and other things which are traditionally considered to be just hurting the individual, but in fact hurt humanity as a collective organism. The COVID-19 crisis demonstrates that we are not just a collection of individuals, we are also a collective organism. Ooh, that's a provocative thought, isn't it? The collective organism is damaged when individuals damage themselves. Again, I sleep badly equals my immune system is is weaker equals I have a higher chance of infecting you and killing you. Why the fuck should you be okay with this? Boy, I should have marked this as a uh, uh, explicit content. Oh, there's still a little, uh, but oh no, I can't mark it as an explicit content anymore. I didn't know that our friend Serge would be dropping so many F-bombs in this article. I'm sorry if anybody is listening with their with their kids. Okay. So Serge says, don't get distracted by metaphysical discussions of free will and whether people are responsible for their own decisions. There are lots of decisions about whether individuals are to blame for bad decisions or society or is or companies are or advertising is or whatever. Here's an analogy. Our body is a collection of individual cells which have some level of agency. Sometimes those cells act in ways that harm the body, uh, for example, becoming cancerous. We can start discussing whether the cancerous cell itself is to blame or the central nervous system, which smokes is to blame, or the genes of the parents, or the, Sch- or the Schrodinger wave equation. It doesn't matter. Blame is a stupid story our minds make up about causality, which we don't... Uh, okay, sorry, let me say this again. Blame is a stupid story our minds make up about causality, which we don't, which we do not actually know. What matters is there's a component of the overall system which harms the overall system without factoring that in the components individual decision-making. The incentives of the component and the system have to be altered so that the overall system thrives. Treat, here's what Serge says again, Treat people who make bad health decisions the way we treat polluting factories. It is time to think of smokers or other people who hurt their own health analogously to polluting factories as people who generate costs to everyone else that they do not pay the full price for and regulate them as well as those who enable them. This may take the form of investing in education and self-awareness programs for those people. Uh, I think that doesn't work. I think that's been tried. Significantly increasing health insurance premiums for those who can't demonstrate good health habits. 
significantly increasing taxes on goods and behaviors which are damaging to individual and thus collective health. I'm sure others will come up with much better ideas than I will. My main goal is to point out a serious incentive misalignment in the system, which is currently not being recognized or addressed strongly enough. And he says, uh, I guess in conclusion, he says, ban cigarettes now. Start by banning cigarette smoking or taxing it so heavily that nobody can afford it. I don't see why society should be exposed to additional health risks and pay additional taxes because some people are smoking those things. Whoa. What do you think, babe? I think these are very strong words. Mm-hmm. Thrown by someone who feels very passionate about smoking. Mm-hmm. And I sure hope he's never smoked in his life because <laughs> he's from Siberia, babe. Huh? He's from Siberia. He's probably smoked in his life. Well, if he has, then this is making him such a hypocrite. Well, it would make him a hypocrite if he was still smoking. It would make him a hypocrite. I mean, if people, uh, I think it's, I think uh, we need to allow redemption. I think it's okay for people to redeem themselves. Don't you think? Yeah, but these are two strong words, you know. Smoking is a matter of choice. Like, for example, my mother is a chain smoker. She has been smoking for years now. Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed she's still as alive as she is. Well, I have told you that sometimes you will not die from a certain thing. You will die from something else. Yeah, yeah, sure. And it might be that she just has the, uh, the genetics in place that she can survive spending about half a century exactly. smoking. Uh, so I would say with Serge, I would say it's, it's, hypo- it's a hypocritical view if he has any self-destructive uh, vices. Or- he does. We know he does. He takes drugs, right? He talked about doing quite a bit of LSD, and it sounded like MDMA also. Yeah. I even remember leaving him a really uh, constructive comment about that. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I think we I think we can point out the hypocrisy here that Yes, we can. If you're if you're going to say that we should uh regulate people who are smoking, we have to regulate people that are doing all sorts of other things. And so he put out another article where he was talking a lot about he was talking about doing a lot of LSD. And uh, he was also talking about doing, it sounded like quite a bit of uh, MDMA. He was talking about uh, hooking up with a bunch of women. He was one of these really non-monogamous type of people. And he was talking about doing quite a bit of MDMA. And I think the evidence is pretty strong that smoking is quite a bit worse for you than MDMA and LSD. But the 
I think there's going to be downstream health effects of the LSD and the MDMA also. And drugs like MDMA and LSD, they almost, okay, I guess this is a bit of anecdotal experience. Well, no, 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 it's not just anecdotal. I also have data on this. Doing thing, doing those kind of drugs, which are which are fun, which are recreational, which make for a great time, of course, they have a cost on people's rational faculty. And if you know somebody that does a lot of LSD or MDMA, they are not going to be the most rational people. They're going to be people that are into a whole lot of woo-woo kind of ideas. They're going to have a bunch of kind of silly universalist, uh, humanist kind of ideas that don't really stand up to scrutiny. And in my deep dive article that I did where I was trying to point out some of the negatives of psychedelics, I'm pretty sure that Surge is really into psychedelics. I, I, I was covering some of the studies that were showing they were showing that uh, using psychedelics, what it does is it it increases openness quite a bit. The personality trait of openness, it it really affects that quite a bit. So that's why you'll, you'll talk to somebody that does a lot of psychedelics and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, yeah, you know, I... You know, I learned this wonderful thing about uh, Indian culture, or I I traveled to Costa Rica, and oh, Costa Rica was just so great. You know, they're going to have a whole lot of like openness in their personality, which which that's okay. Um, open. I mean, I have a pretty open personality. I've been open minded to all sorts of things. I've learned new languages. I've tried all sorts of crazy things. But what one of the studies, I think this was a Spanish study on psychedelics was done, is that it increases openness by a lot while simultaneously decreasing risk aversion, which is actually a pretty bad combination of things. I think it's pretty okay to be open, but you also, if you're going to be open, if you're going to be like trying a lot of like crazy things, you want a little bit of heightened risk aversion so that you don't like kill yourself or do something really stupid that hurts other people. So yeah, I think, I think I would actually agree with you. I think he's being a bit hypocritical. Oh yeah. Um, I think if you're going to say, I think if you're going to say nobody should even, if you, I think if you're going to say uh, that we need to tax people that are doing uh, negative self-destructive things to their health, I think you need to be a really straight edged kind of, kind of person. And I think then at that point you kind of are able to are able to say that. I'm thinking about there was, I, I was listening to a Christian podcast the other day, and they were talking about this verse that was in the Bible. And we've all heard Christians say something like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't judge, or they'll say something like, you know, Jesus told us not to be so judgmental of other people. And this is actually kind of a misquotation from the Bible, where there was there was a verse where Jesus was saying, if you're going to judge other people, then you are going to be held to the same standard by which you judge other people. So it's actually kind of a mis, uh, misinterpretation of the um, traditional Christian Western kind of morality. When people say you shouldn't judge, it, it's okay to judge. Um, 
But the idea is that you would hold yourself to probably higher standards than by which you are judging other people. And yes, yeah, so you should not be such a degenerate like Serge. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. You should, you should be, you know, a person of a very high morality. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think me and you would measure up to that sort of thing because we are pretty clean living type type folks. I don't think me and you have any crazy bad habits that are creating uh, negative externality, externalities. Not now. We don't have any now. Okay. However, I I got to agree with some of the, I agree with the main thrust of the, of the, of the article, which is that it, which is that people who do negative, who, who are lazy with their health, they do have a tremendous collective cost to society. They are doing tremendous uh, damage and they create our, they make our society very, very fragile. And in light of the COVID-19 crisis, we can really see this there in Italy. And I've been looking at some of the more recent recent uh, qualitative, quantitative meta-analyses that are being done on uh, Italy, and particularly there in northern Italy, where they've been hit really, really hard, where they have, I think it's something like over 10,000 people have died tragically there in northern Italy. And what some of the meta-analyses are pointing out is that is that northern Italy always gets hit really, really hard by flu season. The elderly population has a really, really high mortality rate there in flu season because they are all voracious smokers. If you know an Italian person, you know, hey, no offense to Italians, but Italians smoke way too much. <laughs> when, when I think of an Italian, I, I think of, you know, some person that, you know, loves life, loves travel, loves a drink and a smoke, <laughs> you know? And so they are right now bearing the cost of that, uh, of that smoking habit in their mortality rate. And it seems to be, you know, hurting the entire country. And in other countries where people aren't such bad smokers, like I think they're in uh, South Korea, they have, you know, a ton of people got coronavirus there, but it turned out that the mortality rate ended up just being very, very low there. And I believe that South Korea is one of those countries where there's a whole lot less smokers. And then you can also see in China, um, they're, well, I think they're totally lying about how many people actually died, but the mortality rates were very, very high because I think it's something like 60, 70% of Chinese men are smokers. And so they are now, so, so, so those individuals are, some of them are paying the ultimate cost for it. So in that sense, you could kind of say that there's some justice. What about America, John? Yeah, I think America is also going to experience uh, a lot. I think America is going to be really hit hard because in America, we're just kind of in a horrific state of health. Um, Many, many Americans, way too many Americans 
are uh, very cavalier and very lazy about their health. It's some extraordinary statistic, something like something like 60%. I, I forget what it is off the top of my head. I think it's 60% of Americans are considered overweight or obese. And we have really catastrophic levels of um, of chronic disease, uh, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, um, heart disease there in America. So I think that we may be we may be hit really hard. I'm 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 becoming more optimistic. In the in the past, I had seen data that made me think that it was going to be you know two, three, possibly as much as seven million people dead in America. I feel a little bit more optimistic now with uh, some of the with the hydroxychloroquine. With what's with what's coming out about that, but I think America, I think Americans are going to be really hardly hit as a result of their decisions. Well, what about the smokers in America? Do a lot of people smoke in America? Quite a bit less than in Europe. It's it's a it's a lower it's a much lower proportion. It's definitely lower than it is here in Europe. Yeah, and still. Americans are mostly infected so far. Mm, we we have we have very high numbers, but unfortunately, the infection numbers are it's it's a useless piece of data. You, if you go and look up that uh, that website that has the world map, that big black map with all of those red glowing circles of all the disease of all the disease concentrations, those infection numbers are just next to useless in my view, because all almost all of the governments around the world, I think maybe with the exception of like South Korea, almost all the governments are totally incompetent and totally bungling those numbers. The mortality rate is a bit more informative, I think. Um, but there's also an argument to be made that the that the deaths that are being recorded, that they are confusing deaths that would normally occur with the coronavirus deaths. So the statistics at this point are, boy, they're they're kind of a they're kind of a quagmire. And I'm not putting all that much faith in it, which is why I'm kind of I'm kind of a bit more interested in like this overall philosophical idea of, you know, I guess, okay, so, so let's think about what Serge is saying here. Is Serge is suggesting that we regulate unhe- that we regulate people making bad health decisions the way that we regulate factories. And I don't even know if that's a really great metaphor because you hear endless examples of how factories and like large and medium-sized businesses always, they seem to skirt those regulations so much. I know that it, I know that it makes some sort of difference, but for example, you look at, uh, you look at like Canada, for example, and Canada has uh, kind of a, Canada exists in kind of a state of what people call green fascism, where they have an extremely aggressive 
regulatory state where you have a green lobby that is making a ton of rules, but you can go and look at, um, what is it called? Fort, I think it's called Fort Mac in Canada. You can look at there in Northern Canada where they do their oil sands uh, production and they've transformed a part of Canada, looks like Morador basically, where they do their, I think it's the oil drilling there. And I, I think it, I, I think oil serves a purpose in society. I'd love it if we could switch over to more sustainable forms of energy, but uh, until such time as that becomes economically viable, it seems like we need oil. But you look at how uh, a lot of companies and factories are doing tremendous damage to the environment and to people's health, even in the quote unquote first world countries. And it seems like it seems like the government is doing uh, such a poor job of regulating even the even the factories in the first world that I question whether they would whether they would whether they'd be able to do a good job of regulating people that are in bad health. I, I think there's uh, there's too much of a risk there if you're if you're advocating something like okay we're gonna have a everyone is gonna have an app on their smartphone and the app on your smartphone is gonna be capable of measuring your HRV somehow or everyone is going to have like maybe something like an aura ring or everyone is going to have some piece of technology, which is monitoring their health and which is monitoring their habits. And then as a result, the people that are doing the smoking, the people that are, you know, eating really bad, the people that are, that are, you know, uh, stressed out that are overdosing on, on stress all the time, then these people, I don't know, we're going to charge them higher insurance. We're going to charge them more for groceries or for a gallon of gasoline. Something like that would, you know, that's the sort of thing I imagine China doing here in a couple of years when the, when the, the quote unquote smart technology gets just a little bit better. But you can see how this just results in total medical tyranny, you know, um, so I'm given how bad a job the government and the FDA and the regulating agencies do at regulating and keeping us safe from the things that they're supposed to. It just seems like a tremendous um, hazard of descending into uh, technologically mediated tyranny to give the government some sort of right to tax us more. You know, mm-hmm. so, hmm, yeah, but I do, I do, uh, I, I, I guess this solution. Okay, so it seems to me that there's a couple of solutions, which is first of all, I like smaller countries. I think Bulgaria, where we live, is about the right size for a country to be, and here in Bulgaria, we also have like a decent amount of kind of social cohesion. Whereas you take some place like the United States and a lot of people will say that the United States, it is a single country. It's a single kind of federated state, uh, ostensibly comprised of, of, uh, 
of the different states that are within it, but really it's a giant, it's a giant federal state. It's, it's almost kind of like the, the Roman empire or the Soviet union in some ways. And within this giant federated state, you have, people say that there are nine distinct uh, cultural, ethnographic type of nations that are, that, that are within the United States. And these different nations all have kind of different cultural values. You could take some place like where I'm from, Colorado, and Colorado, at least, at least when I was growing up there in Colorado, we were one of the most healthy states. You know, something about the beautiful mountains being right next to Denver, something about a lot of the state being, you know, rugged kind of territory. We were just a healthier, bit more kind of libertarian sort of state. Whereas you'll take some place, some, some of the places that were kind of like in the South, where people just have ridiculously low standards for what they will put into their body. And so with some place like Bulgaria, where a lot of people smoke here and it's kind of culturally acceptable to smoke, then you can kind of shrug your soul, shrug, you know, the nation can shrug their collective shoulders and they can say, well, you know, we're, we are Bulgarians or Serbians or Filipinos or Costa Ricans or whatever, and we enjoy our cigarettes or we enjoy, uh, I don't know, drinking to excess or whatever the uh, vice is that that particular culture chooses. And we choose to bear the uh, cumulative load of that particular vice. And that kind of makes sense when you have sort of a, a collective, cohesive culture that agrees on what their bad decisions are going to be and then kind of pays for them together. It sort of makes sense in that context. But when you're talking about someplace like the United States, when you're talking about Western Europe, where you've got uh, the EU kind of ruling over everyone and setting all these rules, and you've got all these uh, collectivized combined healthcare costs, then I think Serge's article makes makes a whole lot more sense. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. Do you have any, th any other thoughts, babe? Well, I think that smoking is a matter of choice. Yeah. You can't really prevent anyone from smoking. Like, try making my mom quit. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But I, but me and you talked, uh, you, you know, you used to smoke. And then I sat down and I said, hey, you really matter to me. And I want you to be healthy. I don't want, I don't want you to ever go through something terrible as a result of your decisions, would you think about quitting for yourself? And you were like, okay, I'll think about it. And then, and then you did it. So I guess when there's, I guess this comes down to kind of like people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did a good job too. Yeah. You, you managed to quit like right away. I think, I think you just needed a little bit of encouragement, you know? And well, I still love smoking, young, you know, right. But you haven't done it in about three years. So you managed kinda, to, yeah. you managed kind of, what are you talking about? 
Have you been smoking with Galena? <laughs> no, Galena doesn't smoke anymore. I know. I know. You said you took a hit of her vape that one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. that's okay. I guess that's forgivable. <laughs> but I, I guess the, I maybe kind of a solution to what Serge is talking about here. The solution I think is is for us all to kind of give a shit a little bit more about the people that are in our lives. And if you've got someone in. Uh, your life that's making these bad health decisions that are going to be costly to them and then costly to everyone else. I think the the solution, the best solution that we can get at while maintaining a free society is to kind of sit down with them and say, look, I care about you. I love you. You've got this terrible habit. It's going to hurt you. It's going to cost us all. It's going to kill you. It's going to it's just terrible. It's just all negative downsides with, you know, a tiny little bit of upside enjoyment in the moment. Can you please try to work on this? And I will try to support you in that. And then hopefully they can start making some better decisions. I think that's that's really the probably the the best option. I, I don't think that we can regulate uh unhealthy people who make bad decisions the way that we try to regulate polluting factories. In conclusion, so we've got a few more minutes and we can chit-chat for a few minutes with anyone who would like. I will open up the phone lines here and we can talk uh, biohacking, life hacking, uh, I'm curious where everyone is listening in from. I know we've got two gentlemen from the British Isles listening in, and I'm curious how things are going there in the UK. Are things going crazy? Okay, let's chit chat with Daniel for a minute. Okay. Hey, Nate. Hey. Putting my um, headphones in. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yep, sure can. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so how how things over here? Uh, we're in lockdown. Um, Boris Johnson's got the coronavirus. Uh, mm-hmm. Our prime minister. Um, a, bit, a bit crazy, really, but I think it needs to be done. So. And, and so by lockdown... Does that mean that only the grocery stores are open? Pretty much, yeah. Like, um, and some places uh, would say like you, one in, one out kind of thing. And um, what about the pharmacies? Pharmacies are still open, but they they adhere the the two meter social distancing rule. Um, uh, I'm trying to think what else. It's, it's quite, what about the quite parks? Pardon? The parks. No, parks are prohibited, like playgrounds and stuff. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you the regime because um, it's quite, quite interesting. Um, one trip out a day. Uh, so one like exercise routine. Um, all schools and stuff are closed unless um, you're like a key one worker. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, what else? Because I'm a key worker, I can get around that, and um, our kids can go to school. Thank God. It's uh, yeah. Uh, what else? Um, no more than two people for a social gathering. 
outside. Um, police will be enforcing, so we say, but I haven't seen any bobbies turning up and, uh, you know, turn them away. But it's bobbies. Surreal. Do, you, do you know what bobbies are? Police, sorry. Bobby? I don't know why I said bobbies. <laughs> bobbies. That's got to be one of my favourite uh, English Englishisms. Bobbies. Bobbies means police. Oh, okay, okay. So, it, do, so yeah. You know, go on. Do bobbies find people on the street? I don't know about that. All that our prime minister said on Monday night was they've got powers to enforce. Um, there's a lot of uh, I don't know if it's real or not, but. There's rumours if you have your location setting on your phone turned on, you'll get a text from UK government saying, you've been outside more than once today. You'll get a fine. Off so, with um, your head. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah it's, it's... Can you walk your dog at least? Yeah, that, that counts, as, but you can only do it once a day. Once and... a day? But dogs yeah, yeah. need to be walked twice a day. Well, yeah, if, if you've got like a garden... But otherwise, no, you can't go out more than once, in theory, for an exercise routine. Um, yeah. My dog needs to go out, like, at least twice a day. Maybe it should learn to walk itself. <laughs> <laughs> She'll get lost. I, I was thinking we could, we could get a drone. We could get one of those drones and connect uh, it to your dog's leash and then walk the dog around the block with the, with the drone. That's great, yeah. What, what about things over there, you guys? Oh, today, bobbies have been finding people walking down the street. <laughs> At least really? they don't get rugby yes. tackled like the Italians do. It's all over Facebook. Really? <laughs> yeah, 5,000 leva, which is like um, maybe 20, uh, 24, yeah. 2400. Yeah. That's around the same amount. Wow, That's and they're doing, Sorry. are they doing that for people that are like congregating on the street, or just like random uh, people walking down the street here? Well, yeah, go on. Oh, sorry, is that question to me or sorry? Yeah, yeah, it was to you, Dan. Okay, then. sorry. Um, yeah, in in theory, if there's if there's like say I don't know myself in my house, and then my next door neighbor, and then their next door neighbor, we go out and sit in a park have a drink or whatever like like tramps um then yeah technically we would be told no no more than two people from different households um yeah it's very very uh very strange i think fat of a gathering of family members in one household can go out once a day yeah that makes but, sense um, yeah yeah but it's 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 um I'm trying to think what else. Uh, a lot of places only really want payment with contactless debit card, understandably. Right. Um, what else? Are the are the grocery stores exhausted? Uh, well, you know, toilet roll is obviously still a commodity. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Sorry, uh, chicken, chicken nuggets are are like gold dust. Um, it's funny when I went into. You guys have Aldi over there, Aldi. We have a uh, similar, couple similar. Okay. So, uh, a couple of times went in there. All the 
standard kind of, you know, family priced meat was completely gone. But yeah, all the premium steak and that was all that was all like full. I think they're getting on top of it now. And we're limiting, um, say, like no more than four of the same items per person. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, good fun. So like have it. you prepped? Um, well, I did my I did a fast for just under forty eight hours. So um, if the shit hits the fan, I'll be okay. But no, not not really. We got some frozen food. I don't have any worries about that. Yeah, here we have prepped quite quite well, but mm. mostly me and Jonathan eat tahini and honey. Yes. Is that like halva? Yeah. Like seed paste, yeah. Yes, halva is made of tahini with ah. some other things that are not very healthy, but mm. sesame tahini itself is very healthy. Yeah. I tried looking for that in um, a, a shop I went to. Couldn't see it. I think I'll stock up on coconuts. That's for sure. Oh yeah, we don't have um, coconuts is, here. Is there? Is there yeah. even? Boy, coconuts might be tricky because, as far as as far as I know, coconuts do not grow in the UK. No. No. Oh. Although they have quite but, a lot of money. People are pretty, uh, as you know, a bit stupid, and they don't have that sense. I've I've never really looked at a coconut thinking wow that's that's awesome that's like everything i need until you pointed it out so hopefully people's um narrow-minded mindset will they'll leave them alone and people like us us biohackers will uh, enjoy them yeah so yeah. what have you heard about prince charles and his medical condition uh nothing really um well isn't he apparently a lizard anyway according to David Ick. Oh, oh my gosh. I have a story to tell you about this. <laughs> so when I was a young man, I practiced karate for about five years and mm. I practiced this, this Christian style of karate. It was, <laughs> this is a super American kind of thing. It was a, uh, this guy invented or he came up, he took karate And then he replaced the the Eastern spiritual elements of karate with like Christian elements. And so I, mm. I, but it was, it was very serious form of karate. It was, it was no joke as a martial art. And so there was this guy that I practiced karate with that I would spar and grapple with. And mm. he was a messianic Jew. So he was a Christian Jew Um, and he had this beautiful Venezuelan wife with two really cute little boys. And we all did, we all did karate together. And this guy was this hardcore conspiracy theorist. And he wrote this 600-page book about why Prince Charles was the Antichrist. He was, he was super convinced that Prince Charles was the Antichrist. And I have always been a voracious reader. I've always been really into conspiracy lore of any kind. So I read this whole 600-page book, and I would I would sit down with this guy after karate, after karate practice and talk about, you know, all the evidence that he had accumulated backing up this 
this uh, rather bold claim that he was making in his book. And so I'm every year as, as Prince Charles gets older and older, I, I think to myself, he, he doesn't have much time left to become the, the antichrist. He needs to, he needs to get on with it already. Yeah. He, um, no disrespect to the Royal family, but they, they do live a long time. Um, Prince Albert, was it the Queen's husband? He must be, what, 150 or something, and he's still driving. And he, uh, did you see, you probably didn't see, I guess it's more pop culture. He almost ran someone over in his um, 4x4. But yeah, they're, they're a strange bunch. And I uh, hope I don't get arrested saying that for, uh, what's the word, treason against my my king and queen. Yeah, if, if 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 so, you can escape escape to Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah, I, I, okay, I do that. okay. As as always, great chatting with you. My Thanks, la- my laptop is actually about to die, so yeah, sure, I need sure. to shut this stream on down. As always, no as always, a pleasure talking with everyone. Look forward Thanks, to a Gana. continued. Yes, Daniel. Have a great. Thanks, Gagana. Take care. Okay. Ciao, ciao, everyone. Ciao, ciao.